I would like to thank um, all these NHL franchises who are very respectful for the Bag of Pucks uh, episode timeline. Uh, since we switched to our bi-weekly schedule, we would probably would have missed the trade deadline. So the, all the NHL teams were so, um, were so fortunate that they decided to move up the trade deadline to somehow this weekend and just get a whole bunch of trades done in the last two weeks since our last episode. And we're even more thankful for the New Jersey Devils because they literally just finalized the trade right before we were going to start. So I think that's the first place we're going to start is with the Timo Meyer trade. Does that work for you, Olsen? I mean, okay, I also want to point out that either this is going to be an absolute banger of a trade deadline where we're just going to have deals on deals on deals, or it's going to be just trade deadline day of just nothingness. And what I mean by nothingness is that it's just going to be eight hours of just filler content. Well, it almost seems like teams are like, oh shit, someone's made a trade already? We need to go make a trade, like... I would probably say like the Bo Horvat trade kind of, you know, got everything going a little bit. Or, yeah, I would say yeah, the Bo Horvat deal really started putting pressure on teams to be like, hey, let's, you know, get some deals done. And everyone's like, oh, just playing catch-up. So, you're right. Like, I, I do have a feeling, like, this trade deadline, like, trades are still going to happen, but none of the big, like, big star deals are going to happen at the last minute. It seems like they're all happening right now. I mean... I've said it before on this podcast. I've like the NHL is a copycat league, and what I mean by that is, once one play, once one team does something, everyone's got to do something too. And I think that's, that's just another example of that, where it's like, oh, well, one team made the deal in this case, the Islanders, and then every team's got to go, oh crap, we got to make a deal now, and here we are. Jeffrey, what is the actual deadline? I actually remember when the actual deadline is. I want to say it's the Friday, like March third is my guess. Like I, that yeah, I think I want to say March third, but I'm hesitant to guarantee that. But no, like I I agree. Like it's an arms race, right? Like if you see one competitor make a move, you feel you feel like you have to, you know. It's reflex where you have to be like, oh, this team has improved. Now we need to improve. And, you know, today we're going to talk about quite a few trades. Not all of them. There's been some trades where we feel like hmm, hey, they're kind of, you know, part of, you know, regular, you know. They've been outshined by the other ones. Yeah, and we only have so much time today. On Like, if you guys know when the Timo Meyer deal came, like the, the details came out, that's how late we're recording. So we only have so much time before, you know, we need to go to sleep and get this episode out. So let's just start with the Timo Meyer trade since that's fresh for everyone right now. Um, I hope this is the real trade because people have been, you know, putting out comments about what's in the deal. I think maybe this is the longest time it's taken for us to get the actual return on a player like i think everyone was like yeah meyer's going to new jersey which uh which i think a lot of people were expecting but then none of the trade details came out for at least like a couple of hours and then i think finally it's come out like okay these are the players that are going to be you know traded for timo meyer so the full trade so the devils are going to receive scott harrington very important part of this uh, deal former uh, Leaf and former Penn, uh, and Timo Meyer at 50% retained, and the Sharks are going to receive Andreas Janssen, Fabian Zetterlund, Nikita, oh goodness, Ohotiak, Shakir 
Mukamadalin, a 2023 first and a conditional 2024 first. And I don't know the conditions because at the rate of this deal coming out, it's probably, we're probably not going to know for another couple days. Austin, first thoughts on this deal? Uh, two teams who are very clearly headed in different directions. And as a Kings fan, because I got to bring the Kings, obviously. Uh, yeah, I like it for the Kings. <laughs> but no, I think it's, it's, it's a good understanding that you got to do what you got to do uh, to get your prospects if you're the rebuilding team. Um, I, I, all I can say is the East is looking like a slaughterhouse right now. Right? Am I the only one who notices that? I can't be the only one who notices that. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, like, there have been some smaller trades, but, like, the real stars, all the big trades this year have all, they've been all heading out East. So, like, I agree with you. Like, I think it's much more competitive in the East than the West this year. But I, I think at the end of the day, yeah, all these trades are, at least this trade, whoo-wee. And I think one thing that I think people are underestimating, though, do you know what Timo Meyer's qualifying offer is? I, I do, and that's probably the big sticking point. It's like $10 million, isn't it? Yeah. Like, okay, first off, he's not making $10 million, right? Um, if you're signing him to an eight-year deal, I wouldn't say like ten million is too far off from what he w- he could get. Like, he's having a pretty damn good season this year on like a team with like not much help. So I I wouldn't be like like I wouldn't be surprised if you know if he's on line with Jack Hughes and he starts producing even more and he looks like a ten million dollar guy. I mean. Like nine million for eight years, maybe, and I think in the end, it's like, does he develop chemistry with either Hughes or Heisher? And if he does, then I think you sign into that deal. If not, maybe you just retain his rights and trade him off for another winger that might fit better with your top two centers. I, like, it's gonna be tricky, that's for sure. So I, I thought he gets in my mind. Eight and a half to nine. So at least we're pretty similar at nine. Um, and that's, I think that's part of the issue, though, right? Like when you look at TMR's value, is that he's he's basically a UFA. Like look at it that way. He's a UFA, right? And good thing for the Devils is they have money, right? They've got a lot of a lot of money coming off. And a lot of RFAs. So they have money to re-sign him. But I think you got to approach this as he's, an, he's a UFA. And I think if you look at it as a UFA signing, it's less valuable. Does that make sense? Like the return he got or like... Yeah, the return. Like if if you look at him as a UFA, then you... You know, if you do your math on that, right? Where it's like, oh, yeah, he's... Just at, he's just UFA instead. Then you know your consideration of how much you paid for him is well. Maybe I did pay a lot more than I was maybe intending to. You know what I mean? I do, but I feel like this is a type of deal where the return is 
are also going to reflect the fact that he signs an extension, right? Like, it's like we talked about last week with the Horvat deal and uh, Vladimir Tarasenko deal, right? Like, the Tarasenko return was light because, like, I think we expected the Rangers not to sign him. But with Horvat, you know, the return was quite a bit more because, you know, Horvat's a better player, but also the fact that the Islanders were looking to, they were going to re-sign him. So that's why they paid kind of almost a lot, like, a premium for a guy, right? So, like, that's why, like, when you look at this deal, like, there's a lot of pieces, a lot of good pieces, that's for sure. And I think Meyer, as, you know, an all-star level player, I'd say top 10, top 10, top 15 winger in this league, maybe. Like, um, I think that's the price that you're going to get for him. And, like, I guess you could call him a UFA because he's got that, huge qualifying offer but if you're the devils you're not you're making this deal because you want him long term and i feel like the devils have scouted him enough to you know be like yeah this is the guy that we want to pair with one of our young centers this is the guy we want you know go in the future with like i i i get the return why the returns like looks a lot but if if he's your guy for eight years you know i think you have to give give up that much so is this one of those ones where okay you understand that technically you're not allowed to talk to the player before you you trade for them. You know what I mean? You can't like tamper and have like negotiations with him. This is the one, one like one of those cases, kind of with Horvat, where you kind of have a have an informal chat with the agent, right? Like obviously, the other team, so in this case, the San Jose Sharks, give their blessing to do this, right? But it's one of those cases where they've had a discussion about this, right? Like you don't do that. Where without knowing that they're interested in re-signing with you, because you don't give a premium like that without that player that you're trading for being like, yeah, I will re-sign with you, right? Yeah, no, I I wonder if that's why the trade details took so long. Like maybe the Devils were talking to Myers agent and being like, hey, like if you're looking at extension, what's the number you're looking at? And I think the Devils maybe were deliberating like, oh this was maybe too high. Maybe we were going to trade for him as like a rental, but maybe then they decide, okay, you know what? This is, that's a fair number. We can still negotiate. We can meet them somewhere in the middle at, on, at the table. And that's why they're like, okay, then we're going to give a little bit more if we're going to have an extension. So in, in my opinion, I think that like a Meyer extension, it, it's hard. I don't think it goes through right away, like we saw, like with Bo Horvat, or even like a Hampus Lindholm from last year. I I wonder because he's got one year arbitration left. I wonder if they just want to see what his ARB number is, and then kind of wait and negotiate until then. Like you know, he's an RFA technically, right? So they have some time to really like figure out that that contract. So I I mean. Uh, let's actually talk about the return here, right? Like, first off, I think we can just say Andreas Johnson. Johnson is just a uh, captain, in my opinion. He's signed with the Dev- He signed with the the Leafs, then kind of got traded to you know clear up some cap space. And now that he's been with the Devils, he's kind of buried in the minors. Hasn't really worked out for him there, and now he's just on the move to you know San Jose. And- See maybe if he can rediscover his career. Um, San Jose is short on a lot of forwards, so I think he'll get every chance to kind of rediscover himself there. 
No, I think you hit it right in the head. It's probably a cap dump. But uh, it's, it's a place where he will get opportunity to showcase himself. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And maybe Mike Greer can then turn him into a trade chip uh, once he kind of, you know, plays a little bit better or can actually be of something of value. Um, I think the other, th- like the, the picks, I, we haven't, I haven't seen the condition yet on the 2024 first. I'm assuming it's like Stanley Cup related. Uh, maybe it's resigning. Yeah, resigning. Um, like to me, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. I guess those, they're kind of just lot, like they're lottery picks, right? So with the three prospects, I think the big one is probably, um, what's his name again? Uh, Doolin, I want to say with yes, the former first number. Yes, I, I mean the, I think the other two picks they're both you know they've played NHL games this season. They look like they could be you know mid tier guys, but on a Devils team that has Luke Hughes and Nemich as their top two defensive prospects, I feel like um, I'm just gonna call him Shakir. I don't want to struggle with his last name every single time. Um. But, like, with Shakir, right? Like, he's blocked both sides. And he seems to be developing into kind of, like, a top-pairing defenseman. And if you're if you're thinking, like, Hughes and Nemich are going to be your future defensive pair, like, they're going to be your defensive pairing of the future, like, he's kind of become a trade piece then. You know, it's also hard to know when he's going to come over from the KHL, too. So, I, I think it's a really big piece for the Sharks, who really didn't have any defensive prospects, like, they traded away Ryan Merkley, um, but they didn't really have like a top tier defensive prospect coming in. And I, I feel like Fabian Sutherland and Nikita Ohotiak would be decent prospects. I think who will get, like you said, every chance to showcase. You know, can they play on the NHL team and get lots of opportunities? So, to me, I, I feel like this is a pretty even deal. Like I don't want to say there's a winner or the loser. I mean, like. Like, obviously, Meyer is the best player in the deal, so you could say New Jersey won, but if you're looking at the, pro- the trajectory of both teams, like, I'd say it's pretty even. Like, both teams got what they wanted. Yeah, agreed. As I said before, right, like, it was a deal where everyone, like, the prospects, the team that needs prospects got prospects. The team who needs players right now got players right now. Yeah, I mean, who knows? We, we're reacting to this trade just as it's coming. I'm sure things are going to change in the steel somehow. We have no idea why. It hasn't showed up on cap friendly, so it's not it's not confirmed 100%. Um, but we'll, we'll see how the rest of the steel goes. But we've got lots of other trades to talk about. Um, we've handpicked a couple that we feel, you know, really fit our podcast quite well. So we're going to talk about those. But let's start the show properly first, shall we? You're listening to the Bag of Pucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. And we are back. Um, I think probably if Meyer wasn't traded, I feel like the Ryan O'Reilly trade was like the, would have been the biggest trade of this trade deadline. Would you agree with that? See, I don't even know, man. After after this this couple days, also I feel like maybe the Bo Horvat deal would be a bit more. I don't want to say enticing, but 
stands out a bit more, maybe. Yeah, no, no, I forgot about the Bo Horvat deal, but like the when the Ryan O'Reilly trade came out, the the cost seemed even to me like I, I like looking back, maybe it wasn't as big of a value compared to what the uh, Islanders gave up for Horvat, but when I saw the deal, I was like, how much are the Leafs giving up? Like this seems like a lot. Um, it's quite complicated to describe who goes where and who gets what. Based on, you know, it was a three-way trade between the Leafs, the Blues, and the Wild. But basically, let's just say the Leafs got O'Reilly at a quarter retained. And they also got a Chari, Noel Chari. They got Josh Pilar as a prospect from the Wild. The Blues got a first, second, and third. And Gaudet and Abramoff. And the Wild got a fourth round pick from the Leafs. For helping retain a little bit of cap. Like a little bit of a salary there. So... I don't know. It seemed like a big deal. Like, if you think about it, the Leafs gave up a first, second, third, and a fourth. Like, four picks for a guy that realistically doesn't seem like a candidate to be re-signed. Like, that's a lot of assets to give up for, you know, two guys, basically, for four months or three months. So, I would never, I won't say never say never on re-signing. O'Reilly. I've learned with this Maple Leafs team, you literally never know. <laughs> right? Like, they they have some way of attracting local players to sign for a weird amount of money. And O'Reilly's born in Ontario, so I never know with this team. So, I had a weird thought about this. Do you remember former Washington Capitals goalie Oli Kolzig. Oh, yes. Uh, the, the Leaf who never really played for the Leafs. Yeah, I think you know where I'm going with this. So he was traded for to the Leafs from the Capitals for a bunch of just random players. And he was already injured. He wasn't going to play that season. And he was his contract was basically over. And basically, he tried to, like, it basically was like he, him trying to like be part of a trade where the Maple Leafs buy a fourth round pick. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. like it was like, you know, you take on this contract and we'll give you an extra pick. Yeah. How is that really different to what these trades have become? What do you mean by that? I'm not. I'm not really getting that. In the... So you're not. You're not spending cash for these for these picks. You're spending cap space for these picks. This is not really what these trades have become. Like the Minnesota Wild ate one point eight seven five million in cap space, right? Yep. And for their troubles, they got a fourth round pick. Oh yeah, like I'm not disputing the fact of these. You know, going through a third going through a second team to retain cash. Like, I think that's, that's, that's fine with me. Uh, I feel like maybe in the next CBA, there might be some more rules about it, but like, I'm fine with that part of the deal. I I just like, my main concern is like, this seems like a lot to pay for two guys who might stay for three months, probably two months if we're looking at the lease. But like, like what cap space are the Leafs going to pay? Like, like, O'Reilly's 32. I'd say he 
gonna get at least sixty million dollars. See, that's a thing though. But then look at Mark Giordano. <laughs> but those are two different guys at two different points in their careers, right? Like Gier. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. There's a pretty good chance this doesn't happen. I'm fully, I fully agree with you. But I've learned not to underestimate this team. That's what I'm trying. That's my point. It has nothing to do with the logic behind it. It's more of a dude. I, I th- this team. You, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. No. I agree. It's. It's. Like I think early returns. I think people were all assuming like, oh, O'Reilly f- to be our third line center. Like, why are we doing? Like, we don't need to pay that big of a price for a third line center. Like, I think that's what most people were concerned about. But when we see him skating out there as a second line center and moving to Vars in a wing, and you know, he's got a hat trick already. Like, maybe this, like this, if this, if you're pay- buying a second line center, that would be the price. So. I think people are opening up to the deal as much. And I, I do think, like, Tavares' future is the wing. Like, I don't see him being a center for that too much longer. I mean, he's got three years left. Like, I would be surprised if next year he's still playing center. I think he's going to be moving to the wing. So, I, I, I get it in that sense. But, like, if I'm the Leafs, like, or, like, like a Leafs fan, I'm like, I would have rather you spent the assets on a top six winger and that way you could save some of the assets instead of you know buying a center and then moving to Vars to the wing all right let's let's keep going all right uh do you want to talk about, i think the blue i just want to say blues i think made out well in this deal in case no one you didn't understand that part yeah. oh yeah the blue the blues got got a steal i mean like again very similar to that sharks trade trying to get some you realize you're probably open this, probably closing, so let's just get what we can get. So Tarasenko wasn't going to resign. You got what you got. O'Reilly, you got a contract. You got, you got a player, you know, maybe AHL, maybe tweener, I think. Three good picks and a, a pretty good prospect. I, I probably have to disagree with you on the April Moth being a pretty good prospect, but um, I, I, I would say, you know, he's what, 21? Yeah, he's 21. He's learning his way through the AHL. I think he will become an NHL NHLer at some point. All right, fair. It's not a bad idea. All right, fair enough. Um, next trade we're going to talk about the Shea Weber deal that kind of glossed over. Basically, the Coyotes realized that hey, we need to hit the cap floor, so they're like, hey, I know a team that has a lot of long-term contracts that they don't need. Let's go to the Vegas Golden Knights and get Shea Weber in a fifth for Dyson Mayo. And I, I'm going to be honest, the Vegas Golden Knights got the better player somehow in a deal where there was a captain. So, okay, can you explain to me what the point of the trade is for Vegas Golden Knights? I think maybe their owner just doesn't has realized, oh, wait, I can't be spending a billion dollars every year on guys who aren't going to be playing for my team, even though it's helping us, you know, go over the cap. So let's, you know, trade a guy. So let's trade away Shea Weber so I don't have to keep paying him to not play for my team. Okay, no, that's one way of looking at it. Because, like, the next three years, aka the last three years of his, of his contract, one million, one million, one million. So, 
in that sense, it, I guess it's a dream for a team like the Cowdies, right? I get seven million against Cap, but you're really only paying him a million a year, so maybe that does make sense. Um, I think, yeah, there's not much to talk about with this deal, right? Like everyone knows, Shea Weber is not going to play again. The why the why the Coyotes did it, but it was just more like a I don't see the value besides, huh? You wanted Dyson Mayo really badly for some reason, and that was the only way you're going to get him. <laughs> But Dyson Mayo is not a, you know, he's not a elite prospect or anything like that. So <laughs> I'm just, it's more of just confusion more than anything. Well, I do think Dyson Mayo has a spot on this Vegas team if they're going to be always cap strapped. I think they missed the Dylan Coughlin type of player that they could just throw in on like a six, like a guy they could just call up and just play. Like he's got three years left at 950. Like he's your, your perfect depth piece that you can just call up. And if he gets claimed on waivers, he gets claimed on waivers. But like given how many injuries they've kind of gone through, like I, th- I think they'd be happy to just have a guy that they could just throw in at any time. And he'll give you good minutes. I think at one point he was playing like top pair minutes with the Coyotes. I'm not sure if it was this season or last season, but he's at least a useful guy that like can actually help this team going into like the playoffs. So it's almost like they gave up like ass like at quote unquote assets for a guy at the deadline almost. So like it's, it's not even just a cap dump; it's like they're buying a player for the playoff run. Yeah, it's just I don't know, just weird. Yeah, no, I agree. One of the weirder trades of this trade season so far. Um, let's just move on to our next trade where the Wild are at it again and looking to buy picks. And this time they're helping out the Boston Bruins and the Washington Capitals work a deal out. So again, super complicated, but the Wild get a fifth, the Bruins get Hathaway and Orloff at half retained and also prospect, uh, Svetlikov and the Capitals are getting Craig Smith, a first, second, and a third. Um, your thoughts, Austin, on this, another three-way deal. I don't know how to feel about this one. It's, a, it's one of those trades where I'm just like, okay, so I was told by Ted Leonis that the Caps are not going to rebuild as long as the Vetchin is there. What the hell is this? <laughs> you got a guy who's probably out, at least not performing to expectations for a $4.5 million contract, or $3.1 million contract, end of the, ends it this year. Pick up three picks, and I don't know. Like the Boston Bruins are great, and they just added to it. But then I also, yeah, the was like, kind of just bought a pick for a fifth round pick for one point two seven five million in cap space. I don't know. Orlov is good. I like Orlov. Orlov makes me happy. He plays that rough, rugged style that you know I like. Well, I think the main thing was like Orlov. They weren't going to be able to come to agree with an extension. It's kind of like they're kind of like the Blues, I think. The Caps, well, maybe not entirely. Like the Caps, Capitals are at least kind of in like a playoff battle, I would say. But they're kind of started falling off the edge a little bit. I think in their last ten or three, seven and zero, oh, like it looked like that maybe the playoffs are starting to be out of reach. And it's it's quite you know congested there, right? Like. If you look at it for those last two playoffs, like wildcard spots in the East, which I'd say within five points of each other are the Sabres, 
the Wings, the Panthers, the Islanders, the Pens, and the Capitals. Like six teams vying for two spots. And the Caps are on the lower end of that group of six. So I kind of get it as like, they're not rebuilding, I think. Maybe they're more looking at just getting assets for a guy that they weren't going to be able to keep. And it, it would suck to just let him walk in free agency. So to me, I'm, I'm okay with the deal. Like, I get the way, like, what, uh, like, Washington's doing. They're like, you know what? If we can get all these assets or just two guys that, you know, probably weren't going to contribute to us next year, let's go for it. And, like, if you believe the rumors, the Capitals are now in on Chickering and kind of have the assets now. Like, I would say they probably have better assets than uh, the Kings would have in terms of, like, picks. So, like, maybe... They're just reloading and getting players that are gonna, you know, make them a better team next season too. Like, I don't know. This season's kind of been a crapshoot for them with all the injuries. So I feel like they're gonna be like, if we make the playoffs, you know, great. But if we don't make the playoffs, it's fine. We knew it was gonna be a bad year. We'll go for it again next year. Yeah, I, I think you're right in that sense. Where it's just like it's a crapshoot. I have no freaking clue what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, Craig Smith. That's a salary dump. Um, yeah. To me, though, like, I'm looking at the Bruins, though. Like, they've got a lot of money tied up into their decor. Like, I know Orloff's going to be just a rental. Garnet Hathaway, to me, seems like a perfect guy to resign for the Bruins. Like, put him in, like, a your fourth line D. Like, he's going to be, like, your next Sean Thornton type of guy. I think he was, like, Boston's going to love him. But, like, to me, like, they've got so much money tied to their D. Like, I'm surprised that they haven't been able to like move out any of their D and like they probably would have to give up something. Like I'm looking at maybe like a Derek Forbert, you know, former Winnipeg jet who was kind of signed to a weird contract. Um, would you move a guy like Matt Grizzlick who maybe you don't have to attach an asset to move out? Like they've got quite a few guys back there. But is there maybe the fact that they don't want to move anyone out because everyone knows in the playoffs, it comes down to who the healthiest team is, right? No, no, yeah, no. I, I agree with that, but I feel like you need to kind of, you know, you're not going to be able to get, you know, Patrice Bergeron at 2.5 and David Krejci at 1 next year, right? Like, you need to, you know, properly build this. So? Do you think so? Um. Well, like, did we talk about how, like, the bonuses and all that stuff's going to add up for next year and they're going to be kind of screwed, possibly? Yeah. Um, okay, so sorry. I just wanted to make a make a change on that deal for a Timo Meyer. It's actually more than you think it is. What has been added to this deal? Meyer, Scott Harrington, Timur Ibragimov, Santeri Hataka, Zachary Emmond, 2024th, 5th for Janssen, Zetterlin, Mukamulin, Okotiak, Akut. 2023 first, a conditional 2024 second that can be converted to a first, and a 2024 seventh. So just some side pieces more than anything. Some extra, like the main pieces I haven't changed. Side pieces, just a huge, you know, a bit more there, a bit more here. Probably mainly like for like all those roster slots, I think, is my guess um, why they had to kind of expand the deal quite a bit there. Yeah. You're right on that one. I mean, I don't think it changes much in yeah. what we're discussing yeah. about, I'd say. Yeah, my, my, my views on that trade remain unchanged. <laughs> but I, I think 
if we go back to the Orloff trade, I think what we see is, you know, again, like a reflex, right? Like, oh, the Leafs got better. You know, Bruins, who have been kind of like the number one team this season, you know, in a Atlantic division where they're probably, probably going to have to go up against either Toronto or Tampa to get out of their division. Like, they needed to load it up. So, it, yeah. I think it's a good deal. But, again, I'm like, I'm looking at this team, I'm, I'm thinking... Do they really have enough depth scoring or is, you know, can they trust what they have right now in the regular season? Will that continue into the playoffs? That's just my concern. No, I think you bring up a good point. All right. Uh, next trade. Let's go over to uh, Canadian Russia or Vancouver, where apparently if you are 26 and under, Vancouver wants you. And, you're, and you have to be Russian too, apparently. Uh what is Canadian Russia? Where did you even get that reference from? Well, I'll just say, you know, Pakolzin's there, Kuzmenko's there, and now they get another young Russian who was a... a actually, I guess Kuzmenko doesn't really make sense, but Vitaly Kravtsov is getting a new chance to play in um, the, with the Canucks. Um, he didn't cost much. I think this was kind of the Rangers being like, hey, you know what? This experiment didn't work. We're going to find you a place where you might be able to get more playing time. Let's send you to Vancouver where maybe they might finally trade away Brock Besser so you actually get playing time. So I really like this craft stop deal. Is that is that weird? I mean... Like for, for the Canucks. I really like it for the Canucks. I mean, given the fact that you really didn't give up anything of value for a guy who was a former top 10 overall pick. Yeah, uh, of course you got to like the deal for the, the Canucks. It's a low-risk, high-reward type of deal. Because, like, realistically, like, he has a chance that he will bounce to the KHL next year, right? Like, let's be clear here. So this could be a rental, right? Um, and he hasn't really performed this year, but put him with some good line mates, good, you know, in relative co- terms with the with the Vancouver Canucks, but you let him kind of just do what he wants to do. And look, you're rebuilding. It doesn't really care. You don't really care if you win, to be honest with you, right? You don't, it doesn't matter. And you gave up a seventh-round pick, which it is a lottery ticket, right? Like, we're fully aware that this is a lottery ticket. And you give up a seventh, right? Yeah, no, no. It, it's You gave up. Literally nothing for him. Yeah, like, and Will Lockwood, again, I think it's just a contract slot more than anything, right? You know, I just thought of a deal that you would be so happy about. Why what wasn't it Kraftsoft for Hoglander? Um, because Hoglander is, I want to say a lottery ticket. But it's a reclamation project, and a re- you don't as if you're trying to win the cup, you don't need a reclamation project. Yes, or n- not a reclamation. You're not reclamation project. You're, it's a deal where you're trying to like, pr- you, you, a player who wants to prove themselves, trying to prove themselves. You know what I mean? I, you don't need a player to, try to prove themselves. I, I get that though, but like if we're looking at deals where you know you're you got two you know young prospects who haven't been able to find a way and you want to you know be able to you know give them a change of scenery like this seemed like this would have been the perfect deal and if i'm the rangers i would actually like hoglander over Kraftsoft because hoglander still has his waiver eligibility 
So like he can move him up and down if you needed to. And I think he's more versatile than Kravtsov. Maybe not as big as what the Rangers like, but I feel like, you know, this would have been like a perfect, you know, one of those deals where you got kind of like the Martin Kaut Ryan Merkley deal earlier couple months ago right? like a trade of two high-end prospects who really haven't found their way and you know you're the one who's been saying hoglander needs to be traded he needs to get out of vancouver this yes. could have been the perfect i am still on the hoglander what what's right word to use the hoglander needs a new scenery trained which is a, a mouthful but i'm a believer in that no in Hoglander, we trust. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And especially if Besser gets traded, I think Kraftsoft and Hoglander might get a chance. Like, maybe Hoglander maybe just stays in the AHL this season. Just, you know, re- like just hone in his skills, which I, I, I'm okay with that. But, like, I think Kraftsoft, you have to give him every opportunity to play in the NHL. Or, like you said, there's a really good chance that he might end up uh, going back to the KHL and, you're, I think you're hoping if, if the connects maybe it's just like a one year thing, but could be longer. Like it's hard to say. Like, hey man, this there is a comfort of playing in front of your friends and family. That that is fair. So I I agree with you. It it, it, it was a good deal. I think. Um, I just want to run through a couple of these one for one trades before we move on to kind of our last deal. Um. I think they're interesting deals. Um, the Habs and the Stars made a trade. Uh, the Donoff went to the Stars at half retained for Dennis Gurianov. Quick thoughts on that trade? Um, I was always in the opinion that Gurianov needs a new change of scenery. And part of that was, hey, I need... Maybe it was the coach, but it doesn't seem like the coach is changing it for like changing a coach to, from bonus to to beer to beer anything. Um, you know what's weird though? What the Habs? Bring in the Habs. Here. The Habs traded Shea Weber's contract and basically ended up getting Gurianov. <laughs> to be honest, this is just a lot of potential. Yeah, like. To be honest, that's not like if you expand a trade tree and see like what your assets have become, like that that's not bad. Like Weber's contract for, I mean, Gurianov, who knows what he's going to be like? But I think at this point, you're if you're the Habs, right? You're just throwing darts at a board and see, I don't know, who sticks with the core of this team. And if they do, you know, you're going to bring them in to, into next season. You know, Gurianov, he's going to basically get like a six week seven week trial to see how he fits i do think the uh the habs maybe have too many wingers like we talked about the beginning of the season like slavkovsky shouldn't even have a spot on his team they just had enough injuries that they could kind of fit him in and for a team that was just doing a tank job right now i think they have the time and the roster slots to you know just try people out and see what's happening i mean they've they had to pick up chris tierney to fill out the roster, like they're just they're just picking up anyone and everyone and just seeing, you know, do you, would you work for us? Will you be the next Rem Pitlick for us? That's just going to score a bunch of goals. Are you going to be a Raphael Harvey Pinard who just come onto the ski seat and score like eight, eleven goals or whatever it was? Like, you know, I, if I'm a, if I'm a Habs fan, I'm 
going to say that's a good deal because I don't think the Donoff is really that good. Like, I'm surprised that they got him for Gurianov, to be honest. Well, I think at the end of the day, when you're rebuilding, yeah, that's the point, right? You just throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, like, the Donoff should have cost the Stars that much. But, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, the second kind of uh, one-for-one deal, a little bit different though, because this is actually a prospect. Um, the Blues acquired Zach Dean, and the Golden Knights get Ivan Barbashev. Um, I want to say the last time the Golden Knights got at a Russian center, it didn't turn out so good. He ended up going back to Russia, but I feel like this is going to be a different case. I think Barbashev having a down season, but I want to say the entire Blues is are having a down season. Um, you know, this isn't a this is a pretty good deal for a team that's been kind of hurt by injuries for the forward court and gives them a, another option up front. They're just stacking depth. Like I, I don't have much to add for this trade. <laughs> I I do I find it interesting that again the Golden Knights are trading away a prospect and not a pick. They, that, they seem to have that trend where like they're willing to give up their prospects, but they're not as willing to give up their picks. Like Maybe it's just a really great draft in their opinion. We just don't know. I, I mean, I mean, this dra- upcoming draft is like people are saying like it's going to be a fairly deep draft. But if like it just maybe it's just Vegas, right? They love their lot. Like you know, they love gambling. That's why they love to have draft picks, and it's just like a lottery. It's just gambling. Maybe that's what they like to do, but. With Zach Dean, I think he's a he's a really good prospect. Um, I, no, he was it wasn't him. No, Colton Dak was the one who got injured during the um, the World Juniors this season. But Zach Dean, he's going to be a useful guy, I think, for St. Louis. Kind of fits their the St. Louis Blues, where you know a little bit tougher to play against. I think I think he has a spot on this. You know, maybe as a rookie in the next two years maybe I feel like it cracks the NHL so uh, I, I like the deal again for both teams like there really hasn't been a deal where I've been like oh one team has fleeced the other like NHL GMs have been pretty good this season oh, we haven't actually, yeah, I agree with you we haven't seen any trades we're just like what the hell is going on here I mean oh, the GMs still have plenty of time to prove us wrong by coming up with a stupid deal which there's going to be at least you know what I will say this Jack Johnson trade makes no sense at all so, is this like this is a every team that becomes a borderline dynasty has this moment where you kind of just fall in love with players and you just go, "Well, we just got to run it back," or you have your star players being like, "I want this guy back." So, what I mean by that is like. If you look at Brandon Saad at the Chicago Blackhawks, it's a very good example. Um, you kind of just like, I want you run it back. Like it's never like in this case, it's not as big of a deal in the sense that it wasn't like a, we had to give up Panarin for him. But you kind of just bring back the boys you kind of did this with, and it never turns out well because usually the players they want to bring back that are after their prime, you know, not particularly useful for, useful for what they're trying to do. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it's to keep the star players happy, but every team does this. I mean, they're very, like, when they're succeeding. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, I get that. Like, you're comfortable with 
the guys. I, I mean, Jack Johnson only played there for one season. So maybe... And they've got a couple of injuries on D. Like, I think Eric Johnson... I want to say he's out for a while. Cam McCarr, we have no idea what's happening with him. So I think Jack Johnson's a good depth guy that you kind of know already, which is good. My concern... Like, they know your system, too. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like, yeah. like Jack Johnson knows what kind of system you're trying to play. And I guess in that sense, yeah, it's easier for them to slot in, right? Yeah. But my concern is if I'm Chicago, who is clearly rebuilding... Why are you trading, you know, a potential asset for a 27-year-old defensive AHL defenseman? Like, are you? Could you not even get like a fifth or a sixth-round pick? Like, to me, that that that's the thing that really irks me about this trade. It's like you're a rebuilding team, and you decided that the best way to use one of your trade pieces. Yes, Jack Johnson is the trade piece. Like, a, he's a potential guy that is a we moved at the trade deadline and you get a 27 year old prospect who has played barely like what 69 games in the NHL with six points. Like you could probably get someone else unless you feel like you need placeholders on your NHL team. Like to me, you could have gone and picked somewhere. Well, I mean, he is a defenseman, right? But I think part of the value there is when you see a guy like Jack Johnson, who's a bit older, right? When, you know, you want to make that trade and let's say the offers you're getting in are like six and seven, or like lottery picks, right? Maybe send him to where he wants to go. Looks good for you as a GM because if you're not competing, you know, be like, look, the Leafs are a master of doing this. You take a guy who probably isn't going to crack your team and you trade him to a place where they want to be. Makes it easier for you to sign the next player. Because in the Leafs case, for example, it was, well, you know, we're signing you for cheap. But if you don't get a place to shine and get that next contract, we'll send you a place where you can do that. And that just makes it easier to sign players later on. Yeah, no, I get that. Like, it's a goodwill contract. And, you know, I'm a goodwill deal, like, you know, you're doing him a favor, giving him another chance to win a second cup. Or is it a third cup for Jack Johnson? I can't remember how many cups he's at right now. But, yeah, it's kind of one of those weird deals. But um, we've got one more deal to talk about, which kind of transitions to our last topic of the day. Um, Nino Niederreier is going from the Preds to the Jets. And somehow in that deal, it caused David Poyle to retire somehow. So (laughs) maybe that's that's not the actual correlation, but that's kind of the timeline of the events. Um, The Jets, really good team this season. Um, I wonder, was is there a missing piece, that top six winger? And is that what Nita Ryder is going to do for them? So, I think with Nino Niederreiter, you're you're gonna you know what you're gonna get, right? Like proven commodity, and I think he plays both wings, which is nice. Um, he'll slot in nice as kind of that second third line, second on second line on a good team, maybe third line. Sorry, second line on a bad team, third line on a good team, um, type of role. And for a second round pick for a team that's trying to go for it, and you kind of have, you know, the space to do it. You might as well go do that, you know what I mean? Like you traded a second for it. For some reason, you've got a lot of players having really good years this year. 
Remember when Blake Wheeler, we all thought Blake Wheeler was done? He's got 43 points this year. <laughs> done isn't like injury-wise, but he's played, I think, every game this year, almost every game this year, and has 43 points. Like, play, your depth is contributing. You've got your stars contributing. Um, I like this trade a lot. Honestly, I really do like this trade for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, for the National Predators... Honestly, I get the vibe that, you know, just looking at results-wise, right? I don't want to look at, like, personal lives because I don't know what's going on there. But it's one of those teams where it's just like, okay, so where are you now? You've got star players who are at their top of their game, right? Like, I'm looking at Roman Yossi, Yossi Saros, like, elite players. And then you're kind of just like, well, are you retooling? Are you, you kind of feel like you've been retooling for a while, like... Where exactly are you? Like, what exactly is this? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like with Nashville, they're they've kind of hit tweenerville, and the guys that they're paying seven eight million dollars a year aren't playing like seven eight million dollar players. Like a lot, I I think it's must be like the Nashville effect. But like, if you like Forsberg is probably their best ever forward they've ever had like who would you consider as Nashville's second greatest offensive forward ever ever uh, I want to say David Legwan for some reason yeah like that if that's your second greatest forward ever in your team's history granted Nashville you know shorter history but like that's not, that's not really good. Like every time Nashville is like, you know what, we're gonna we need more scoring. Let's bring in a scoring guy. That guy's offensive production always dips, and maybe it's the Barry Trotz effect. I don't think it is, but maybe something's up in Nashville where like players just can't seem to get that scoring groove back on like they did before. So, like I think Nashville, they're looking at this team and being like, you know what, we need to start, you know moving on a little bit. Um, I think we're going to see with David Poyle leaving as well, we're going to see like a change in maybe how like overall trajectory of this team. Um, but if I just want to go back to the Jets too. I think the Cole Provetti injury changed a lot here. Like I think they're happy with Provetti in their top six, but now that he's going to be out for about two months, I think they felt like, okay, we need some more top six help. And I, I do like the, deal for the Jets as well but if this is their only move I would be a little bit worried like their bottom six I I don't know you said that they've got some you know scoring all around I'd say their bottom six has kind of more been like a support role where they're just kind of like they're not great but they do the job type of thing and I wonder if they need a little bit more to keep them in that playoff race like, because I think they really don't want to end up in a wild card spot I think they want to try to go for one of those divisional spots in central so so part of the issue though with the Winnipeg Jets is they don't have the cap space to do that you know what I mean well right now their current uh, deadline cap space they have about just over four million dollars so they, they could do something couldn't they yes but I think with four million, you'd have to be a rental. Yeah, like I don't think the Jets need to get a guy that's going to have like extra years on a contract. I mean, they still got to sign Dubois in the off season, but like I look at this team, I think defensively, 
they're fine. They've got enough depth there. I want I want to say goalie Hellebuck is playing great. Riddich apparently somehow has rediscovered how to play goalie as well. So I think that's good. But like, if there's one weakness on this team, I want to say like their third and fourth lines aren't really convincing. Even if they're playing mainly a defensive role, and realistically they could roll with that top six for a lot of the games. But when uh playoff games go into more like you're only rolling three lines, I don't really trust their third line against other teams in the West. So I wonder if they might need an upgrade there. I don't I don't know what they would have to give up, but they they they've got a chance to maybe improve that area of the team. Sorry. Um I should should explain further. The reason why I said you should like you'll never you'll really rarely hear me say, hey, you gotta consider the term. Winnipeg is kinda like Buffalo in one of those places that it's very hard to sign free agents. And you'll notice this with this team, right? Um, the most expensive, uh, sorry, highest cap hit player that they've signed on their roster is, I believe, Dave Riddich. Like, they have trouble recruiting free agents. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the temperature or whatever, the climate. But this team doesn't actually sign free agents that often. So, if you're going to make a trade for that third, fourth line like depth player, you have to probably either trade for them with term or expectation they might leave, which is a unique problem for a team like Winnipeg, which changes the calculation of how you value players. You know what I mean? I want to see if I can dispute. I don't think David Ridge is the richest ever contract they've ever given. Not richest. No, no, not the richest ever on this roster right now. Okay, because I was feeling like there's yeah. no way. No, 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 no. They, they've signed. Yeah, I'm saying as of this team this season. So the players that they've signed free agent like on the NHL roster is uh, Saku Minelainen. 750, Sam Garnier, 750, Kevin Stenland, 750, uh, Cap- Kyle Capobianco, 762, and David Riddich, 900. Would you not count PLD? Because he technically signed, like he was a free agent and then he re-signed with like, the Jets? I want to remind you, he was at the draft trying to facilitate a trade to the Habs. I, I do, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, yeah, it's, I don't know. I guess, yeah, because he was an RFA, it's harder to argue that. So, you know, fine. But back to, back, we kind of kind of went a little off track here. Back to Poil and Trotz. Is this, is this kind of like Barry Trotz failing forward, or is teams just kind of like looking at, like, teams looking at, you know, player going, well, you know, look, looking at a coach, sorry, and saying, you know, pretty good coach. Why can't he be a pretty good GM? Um, oh, okay, you know, I uh, can't really, I see, I didn't know what the story was. I thought Poiled retired, like, right now. I didn't realize he's retiring at the end of the season. Yeah, sorry, it's at the end of the season. Okay, completely different. So Nita Ryder didn't cause Poyle to leave. No. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Like, 
How many coaches would we say transition from being a successful head coach to a successful GM? Like, would you consider? I know it's it's a hard role because you know you can't tinker as much as a coach. You're given players, and now you have to work with that. Like, I would be fully. I wouldn't be shocked if he brings in his own player. Uh, Barry Trotz brings his own, his, sorry, his own coach. And it's a very young, youthful, like first-time head coach in NHL. So he can kind of tinker and provide suggestions for the lineup. I, I feel like I wonder, though, if Barry Trotz is more of a placeholder for a little while, too. Like, I see, I we haven't really had this scenario, right? Like it's been a while since we've seen a guy be like a head coach somewhere and then kind of become the GM. I mean, like Trot's had a couple years away from them, but like, I'm just trying to think how that would work. Like, I think we see it a lot more in like different sports. I would say like football is like a prime example where you're, coach isn't even called a coach right like he's a manager like he holds pulls double duty right so we see that a lot um but yeah i'm trying to think like this is this would be a weird weird experience i think in nashville i think it'd be i I don't even know how it's gonna go i think it's so out there that like will trots be feel like he needs to be kind of a coach will he do like a coach manager position more or like you said, is he going to find a young coach who he can mold or a coach that's kind of got his philosophy of coaching? Like, I think it's going to be very interesting. Like, I just don't know what to expect. It's going to be very unusual too, because remember, this is the first time the National Predators have changed general managers. Yeah, like, that's, that's crazy, I think. Like, if you think of how long Poyle's like career has been with the national predators. Like he's kind of synonymous with the Preds, I would say. Like I say he's probably a guy that I don't know, is he a Hall of Fame worthy or is he just like like he's Nashville Hall of Fame type of guy, but I don't know, like it's gonna be so weird. I would say I would say he's United States Hockey Hall of Fame worthy. And a pretty pretty obvious one too. Yeah, like I I'm not I'm just looking like he so what he started off in what nineteen ninety eight? Oh sorry, I totally butchered that one. He is already in the US Hockey Hall of Fame. Nice. Um Yeah, nineteen like oh my goodness, this guy has been with one team for that long and I mean, he's been good, right? Like, it's not like Preds were ever, like, super-duper bad, but it's that that's going to be interesting to see a national Pred, Predators team that's not led by David Boyle. Yeah, it's going to be weird, but, I mean, I get it. He, like, I know we all say, like, oh, yeah, Lou Lamorello can do this until, like, 90, but, you know, he is, he's 73, like, for a guy to dedicate his life so much to the sport like that, like 
like 73 is crazy i would say like if i couldn't imagine working a job until i'm 73 unless i really loved the job and i think david poyle really loved his job really loved the natural predators and i think like to be honest i i think he gets some type of monument or some type of you know huge sending off in nashville like i think it, it it's on par with david Legwan leaving type of thing like I think he's going to get a huge reception. Oh yeah, and from national day, yeah, obviously. That's not even that's not even a a hot take. Sorry, I was just looking up to see if uh, if there's any retired numbers for Nashville. Um, I guess UC Soros is kind of the first one, or is he the only one? But uh, I wonder if you look at oh, no, not not UC Soros, Pecorine. He had his number retired. Um, 2022, so last season. I wonder if you raise a banner for David Poyle at the end of the season. So I've got a, a controversial question for you. Sure, go for it. So has the National Predators been protected, I guess, in a way, by having really good goalies for the entire time that he used uh, David Poyle, which I guess... The entire time, they were a team. Um, I say, yeah, maybe like, uh. like it makes it a lot easier when you go from great goalie to great goalie to great goalie to great goalie. Because I'm thinking, okay, Yuji Saros, great. Pekarene at his peak, great. And then who else do they have? Um, Thomas Vokun, great. Um, Chris Mason, great. <laughs> I Chris guess. Mason is uh, as a, as as the role he needed like, to be, like Bokun's one B. Yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, okay, yeah, Mike Dunham was okay, but then, yeah, like I, I guess, yeah, like your starters went from Bokun, Dunham, Rene, Saros. <laughs> Like you got to like goalie sprinkles in here and there, obviously, right? Like your backup is I'm not counting your backups. And I would I would even assume that the plan is for Askarov to be the next person up, but that's very far that down the line. Yeah, like yeah, they've been propped up with I think they're defensive. Like if you think of all the guys they've drafted on D two, like Shea Weber, Ryan Suter, Matias Ekholm, Robin Yossi, like. They've also Ryan Ellis. Ryan Ellis as well. Like they've been propped up defensively for years, and like I said, they just couldn't develop forwards. They've had to like trade for forwards, sign forwards, and free agents, but nothing's ever worked out. But they seem to just be like a defenseman and goalie factory. Like I can remember in one of the old NHL games where like every single defenseman they had was just over eighty two overall. Like it was ridiculous. Like, but none of the fours could ever score. So. Yeah, and I had a question for you to maybe end your podcast here, Jeffrey. Sure. Oh, okay, it's either a, it's either one answer or the other one, right? You don't need to explain if you don't want to. The actual day of the trade deadline, is it going to be a banger or is it just going to be just terrible? I am going to say that it is going to be terrible. I feel like a lot of the main big assets have been moved already, and I think unless we see like a Patrick Kane trade, I, I – don't know if there's really any big pieces that are really gonna 
be moved. I, I don't know. I, I think Tampa's been a bit quiet, so I would worry about that. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a dud. I think it's going to be a banger. I think Patrick King gets traded. I think Chickren gets traded. It's going to be a banger. All right. Um, this has been a longer podcast because we've had so many trades. So I think we're going to have to push back geography with Geo to maybe next week. Um, and if well, I'm if it next week's a dud, then we'll definitely have time for geography with Geo. But if next week is a banger, like Olsen said, then again we're going to have to push it back. You know, geography with Geo is not as important as you know actually NHL news. I don't think our listeners really want to hear our opinions on or l- listen to. Olsen and Anton fail at geography. I mean, they only have green on geography, guys. So, you know, you got to give them a break sometimes. So, you know, we'll give them uh, some more time to prepare. And uh, we'll test them off. Test them maybe in two weeks' time. Uh, the trade deadline is going to be next week, I think, is what we're guessing. We don't. We somehow don't know when a trade deadline is because trades are just happening in a flurry. But we'll see. Do you have any uh, final thoughts there, Olsen, besides your uh, prediction that the trade deadline is going to be a banger? Nope, that's it. All right, that's it for me, and we'll talk to you guys in two weeks, and we'll see what happens at the trade deadline. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bag Pucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.